Welcome to Kimchi Culture, the show centered around what it means to be an Asian American. I'm your host, Anna, a 21-year-old college student living in the Midwest. And today, we're going to be talking about one of my biggest loves, which is film. I wanted to talk about film today because it's one of the things that I'm most passionate about. From a very young age, my dad would take me to cinemas, and we'd sit and have popcorn and watch all of these beautiful stories unfold. And that's translated now today. I'm a communication major, and I specifically love making short films and doing things on my YouTube channel, as well as writing and doing photography. I truly believe that some of those early experiences have changed my career path. I originally started out as an education major, and I switched halfway through my college career because I realized that there's this beautiful possibility of sharing stories about human nature in film. But I've noticed, and noticed growing up, how much it influenced me when I didn't see faces like mine on the screen. And I know that this is a shared experience for a lot of Asian Americans. And so I wanted to do a show about why it's important that we have representation in the media, what examples we've seen of what not to do, and what we've seen in these past couple of years that have really shaped the movement. More specifically, the eight most important Asian characters I saw on TV and in the movies. I could give you a complex history lesson of every movie with an Asian character, but I wanted to share my own personal experience. Later in the podcast, I will be interviewing my friend Annie as well about her representation story. So I'm a Korean-Japanese adoptee who grew up in the Midwest, and my parents were incredible about helping us come to know our culture. They brought us books and took us to Korean restaurants, and I got my black belt in Taekwondo and learned some Korean through martial arts. I dressed in a traditional hanbok, which is a Korean dress worn during special occasions for my senior pictures. But it took a while to feel excited and secure in my identity because, not going to lie, growing up, the diversity around me was pretty weak. I think that there's always a moment in anyone's life where they know that they're different for some reason or another. And for me, it was when I was in elementary school. And someone called me a Twinkie. Upon explanation, this meant that it was because I was yellow on the outside and white on the inside. And this is humorous now, but back then it brought up a mix of emotions. Primarily confusion, because first of all, what does that even mean? Secondly, was that a bad thing? And experiences like that kind of left me feeling isolated, so I looked to the media. But unfortunately, it didn't offer much. Because one of the first examples of representation I saw was a blatantly racist Asian character in Breakfast at Tiffany's. Now this is hard because I love this film. Audrey Hepburn is my idol. But the character that was played by Mickey Rooney was a gross example of Yellowface. There was a white man who was playing an Asian character with a ridiculously heavy accent and slanted eyes. It wasn't great. A similar incidence of this is number two, which is Sixteen Candles. Long Duck Dong is a foreign exchange student with bad fashion sense, and every time he enters a scene, a gong sound is used. Yeah, that one speaks for itself. But number three, in 1998, a shining example of Asian representation came in the form of Mulan. This was a really important movie for me, uh, and for the first time in my life, a woman who kind of looks like me was not only on screen, but she was a beautiful and complex character. Funnily enough, Milan is Chinese, and I am Korean, but I would take anything I could get. And I also love that she was the protagonist of the film. She was literally the person who saved China. So I'm here with my friend Annie Middlestead, and today we're going to be talking about representation in media, specifically with Sandra Oh's character in Grey's Anatomy. 
what was it like for you to grow up Chinese American in the Midwest? I'd say my childhood was pretty oblivious until I got to about middle school when my parents forced me to start riding the bus to school. And it was fine most of the time, but then there were some like slightly delinquent kids on our bus and they um, would just like ask me really weird questions or kind of like make fun of me for being Chinese in a way that I wasn't really like aware of was really like racism or that kind of thing because it was subtle. Yeah, that was kind of my experience as well, is that people would just make weird little comments or ask really invasive questions. And I think it's always interesting because there is a point in everyone's life where they kind of realize that they're sort of weird. But for us, a lot of it had to do with our race, which is strange. Mm -hmm. Um, And so growing up, did you see anyone that looked like you in TV or movies? Well, it really irritated me because every time I watched a movie or TV show with an Asian character almost always they were like portrayed as like the weird person or like the nerdy person and actually um when my friends and I in high school or whenever watched um Pitch Perfect my friends kept making jokes about me like being like the really like quiet like weird Asian character and I'm like I understand that I can be quiet but it, it was just kind of irritating at the time. Okay, so you have really beautiful curly hair, which is sort of unusual, I suppose, for some Asian Americans. What was that like, A, growing up with that? And then when you did see characters in the media, did any of them look like you? I It was kind of odd, actually. One of my friends when I was in middle school, and she wasn't, like, ignorant at all, but she just asked me what ethnicity I was or something like that because she wasn't sure because I looked Chinese, but I had curly hair. And my mom always told me that, like, only 0.3 or 0.03 or something like that of the population had curly hair. No, I never saw anyone who was Asian who had curly hair. So my voice lessons teacher, when I was in 10th grade, he told me that I looked like a character on a certain show and that I should look it up. And then I looked her up and she had curly hair. And, like, I don't necessarily think that um, Sandra O looks like me. Um, like facially but we both definitely have the same hair type the thing that I appreciated most I like just started watching Grey's Anatomy but I've been like binging it for the last like year and I just really appreciated that her character her main thing wasn't just being Asian like she's a doctor she like has real storylines like it's not just about her being I think she's Japanese or something like that yeah it's amazing what like how much that means to somebody to see. And I think that's sort of a universal thing. It's not just something that affects Asian Americans. It's not just something that affects people of color. It is heavily a problem in the media right now, but it's a universal thing where people like to be see themselves being represented because it makes them feel less alone. And so I just like can't even imagine what that would have been like for us growing up to see examples of people like that. It's interesting because Disney Channel was actually really helpful in giving me a bit more representation. Uh, We got characters like number four, London Tipton, and number five, Ella from Camp Rock. Now these two directly went against the smart Asian stereotype, perhaps too excessively, but I was honestly just glad that they had roles at all, which is pretty sad if you think about that. Moving on to present day, there has been a shift in more representation in mainstream media. Two important movies came out in 2018, The sixth example of my Asian characters is To All the Boys I've Loved. 
this was a really small victory for me, but it was a victory nonetheless. The characters are Korean. My only qualm is that the actresses aren't. Laura Jean Covey is the main character, and she's an adorable girl with great fashion sense and relatable awkwardness, and she's pursued by the male lead, which is something rarely seen in the past. Her grades don't define her, but her personality and her story do. But the overall plot is pretty charming, and it's a popular Netflix movie that reached a really large audience. Well, like, you you think it's so small of a thing, like, there's so many bigger problems, but then I realized when we watched um, To All the Boys I've Loved Before, mm-hmm. I'd never seen a movie where the main character, like, the protagonist was Asian, and it just was really like, oh, she, like, has all these guys that are interested in her, that kind of thing. Like, oh, you can be, like, attractive, too, kind of thing, which sounds <laughs> right. kind of ridiculous. But um, but it's true. Like, there, it's very rare that the protagonist is Asian and also, like, desired. And, like, yeah, by multiple guys and that she's a very complex personality. Her personality doesn't come from the fact that she can do math or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, she's smart, but that's not her whole character arc. Oh, I think of Glee, like yeah. how their whole thing is like with like the two main characters that are Asian, their whole thing is being Asian. Like they always talk about it. It's always brought up like they call them Asian number one and Asian number two. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just like their whole thing is like their race, which is I mean, it is what it is. Yeah. But then um I realized, like, growing up, I never really thought about it, but on, like, The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody, yeah, like, um, London's a main character, and her thing isn't, like, being smart, it's actually being stupid. Which is which interesting. Is, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's kind of, like, yeah, it's very interesting to think about. Those are the things that we grew up with, especially, like, our age. Like, yeah, we grew up with Disney Channel, and so the representation that we saw on there, I was trying to think about it, and it was pretty minimal. Like, I remember, so London Tipton was a character, and then there was... Ella from Camp Rock and then oh. yeah and then there is also like a mean girl from Princess Protection Program and then of course we can't forget um, number seven which was Crazy Rich Asians and this movie was a downward triumph I remember watching this with Annie in her basement and I was so excited to see this film because it was an all Asian cast and I had not experienced that Um, It was a full Asian cast with beautiful shots of their culture and the country that it featured. And it was a romantical story that is also kind of fantastical and somewhat relatable. But it just sweeps you into this environment and sweeps you into the lives of these characters. Uh, When I first saw this film with Annie, we both had a really similar experience. Um, It was really emotional. It was quite emotional to see people like us on screen, and it was something that we had always wanted to see but was never given. What do you hope to see, like, in the media going forward? Like, what's your hope for representation? Just, like, normalcy, kind of, like, making it more of a standard versus, a like, a rarity. Like, I really enjoyed seeing movies like Crazy Rich Asians. Those movies are, like, heavily featuring Asian casts, and, like, that's not necessarily needing to be always but just to have like more Asian main characters and like I even thought it was interesting how when they made To All the Boys I've Loved Before into a movie they wanted to make the main character and like the main family Caucasian Yep. Mm -hmm. and I just think that like it's important that they don't have to do that for everything. 
I think a lot of that too is that like we need directors and writers and and producers that are Asian American because they're the ones that are going to be pushing for representation. Um, but yeah, I know I read that and I was so mad because that's if you read the books, that's a whole process. Like it's a big part of their storyline. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think that's interesting too. Mm-hmm. Finally, the eighth and the last film that I will be discussing is The Farewell. It is another all-Asian cast with a touching family storyline. Billy, a Chinese-American, comes to terms with her grandmother's cancer diagnosis, and she has to deal with the differences between America and China. And this is a shared experience for many, not feeling like one truly belongs in either culture. So seeing that on screen was probably very important for a lot of people who either have immigrated to the U.S. or who grew up in mixed culture situations. All these characters have influenced me, whether negatively or positively, but we still have a lot more work to do. It's been great to see how much has changed in these last couple of years in terms of representation, but I want to see more complex stories. I want to see more Asian American actors and directors and producers and screenwriters because there's so many stories to tell, not just about our culture, but about who we are as people. And I hope that we get there someday. Thank you for tuning in to the first episode of Kimchi Culture. If you guys like the show, please leave a comment and stick around. There'll be more content very soon.